Hey, welcome back to Ecrying Bites, Season 2, Episode 10. We're here with Dutch and Razzlecon. No, that's not the people on the screen if you're watching this. We're not Dutch and Razzlecon. We're talking about Dutch and Razzlecon, which is a young couple in New York City that stole a bunch of money from Bitfinex, which is a cryptocurrency exchange. At some point, Dutch had been kind of hacking away at them for several years, but at some point around 2018, he got the keys where he could authorize cryptocurrency transactions on behalf of Bitfinex because he stole them. And then he just went to town and just started stealing a bunch of money. At the time he stole it, it was $71 million. But at the time it was seized back from the government, it was $5 billion, B, big B, billion dollars. That's how much it appreciated over a couple of years. So once Dutch is in the system, he doesn't want to get caught. So one of the things he does is he starts destroying evidence. Now, why do I say this? Because a lot of times attorneys later on will say, this is evidence he knew he was doing something bad. Because one of the usually easiest computer defenses is, I, I accidentally ran the rm-rf command and it removed everything. I didn't know what it was gonna do. Well, in this case, what they're saying is, Dutch went in and removed some evidence, so he definitely knew what he was doing was not on the up and up. He um, would go back to that victim's computer logs and he would delete you know, access credentials, certain log files that would give investigators, someone like me, when I used to do more computer forensic investigations, a lead into who to look at and who to investigate. He deleted all that stuff. Another thing he did is a term, a new term Seth and I are gonna throw at you called credential spraying. Now, probably sounds like a weird term if you've never heard it before. It's a computer security term. All it really means is someone broke into one website, learned your usernames and passwords there, and then went and used them at other websites. So for instance, let's say I have an E-Trade account, right? And I have a username of Bob and my password Sally. Someone might go to, uh, what is, what's another trading? Robinhood. Someone might go to Robinhood and try that same username and password of Bob and Sally. And I might have an account there and they might be able to log in. Well, since Dutch had the information from the victim, he had those username and passwords. He was then able to use those username and passwords at other cryptocurrency exchanges and further exploit the victims that became a victim at Bitfinex. So imagine that, being a victim at one spot, that's rough. Being a victim at two spots, three spots, four spots, that's gotta be even tougher because you gotta deal with all those companies and try to figure out what happened to your funds and so forth. So I wanna mention that this, the big hack that we're talking about where they get the $5 billion, it didn't just happen out of thin air. Ever since Dutch was, a, I'm going to say a kid, I'm younger, you know, not, he's probably not seven, eight years old doing this, but I'd say in his teens, he tried to exploit Bitfinex. And at some points he was even successful. He was able to get things like API access, which is this application programming interface access, which is people like me, we can interface with computers that way in order to get data off them. So he was able to do it in a way that was unauthorized. He shouldn't have been able to do that and get data. And because of that, then he was able to steal hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
And in one instance, he stole $200,000 from that cryptocurrency exchange. He also dabbled in other coins. We've been talking a lot about Bitcoin and we're gonna sprinkle other coins in here and there. But another one that he stole around that era when he was younger was something called Paycoin. So Dutch, you can imagine he's been busy and he's been squirreling away a bunch of virtual currency that he's been stealing. In January, 2018, he has all those thousands of transactions out of wallets in Bitfinex into this other wallet, the 4S wallet that we talked about earlier. He transfers funds illegally without authorization into that wallet. He transfers then money out of that wallet into a bunch of places to try to conceal where the money came from. And this is where the money laundering starts to happen because he takes some of that money and he uses an alpha bay. You know, he sets up, you know, sellers and customers and all that kind of stuff to make it look like real accounts happening. But basically it's just kind of funneling money. He used other sites like that called Hydra. He used technology that we talked about with Larry and Gary Harmon with coin joins, mixers and exchanges. He tried to use services that did not require a user to identify themselves through their own PII. Now, at some point, RazzleCon starts to help him launder money. At first, it was reported that she did not know where the money came from, but she did figure it came from illegal activities. I imagine because the amount of money that he was bringing in. Sometime between 2017 and 2020, Dutch finally told RazzleCon he was responsible for the Bitfinex heist. And what did RazzleCon do? Do you think she went and turned him in? Hell no. She says, I'm in you crazy bastard. I mean, what seriously, Seth, I thought about it. What would you do if your spouse came to you and said, I got $5 billion of stolen money. Cause you're like, well, if I turn them in, I'm uh, this is not going to be good for either one of us. I mean, you're kind of, that's a, that's a pretty life-changing decision you're making there. You're either splitting from your spouse or you're going in with them. And she decided to go in with them. Yeah. I mean, it's a Sophie's choice there. I'd probably turn my wife in. Well, Hopefully she won't watch this episode. So let's talk about the money laundering steps involved here. There were numerous accounts uh, that were set up and used in this scheme. Uh, these were set up programmatically along with programmatically generated transactions, right? So there's a lot of money they had to launder here. They had to do it in very, you know, micro segmented chunks, right? So, and, and some of these were for seemingly legit U.S. businesses. Funds were sometimes converted either currency through Russian and Ukrainian bank accounts um, converted some of them to Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, they converted some of their Bitcoin rather to other types. They call that chain hopping. So they were uh, mixers such as Helix that were used. We talked about that in episode uh, seven of this year with uh, Larry and his other brother, Gary. Um, they would buy illicit fake accounts that were set up to look legit when the user um, PII or personally identifiable information was required. And they converted some of the funds into, this is in the news right now, gold coins. Um, reading about, reading uh, current Senator Bob Menendez has found with a bunch of gold in his uh, basement uh, for just in case purposes. So Razzlecon and Dutch converted some of their funds into gold and Razzlecon literally buried them. And we'll talk about that later on in the episode. So the court documents get really specific on this and they explain like how the money was really laundered. They talked about how Dutch with 
They named her Morgan, by the way, uh, Jones, in the documents. I'm going to rename her Razzlecon. She should actually have a formal name change because it's such a great name. Um, Dutch, with Razzlecon's assistance, would convert stolen funds through the use of debit cards. And these debit cards were linked to foreign bank accounts. And the foreign bank accounts were registered to Russian and Ukrainian money mules who worked for brokers and who typically created the accounts in person. So they were literally hiring people in Russia and Ukraine to go to their local banks to convert these fees uh, via debit cards. The accounts were then offered for sale by brokers on dark net markets and cyber criminal forums. I got to pause here for a second, Jones. I have to imagine that this is like a goddamn full time job. This sounds like a ton of work. I mean, I well, guess if you're five billion dollars, even if it's 71 million, like and you got to make it look like it's not 71 million. That's a lot of work. So we learn more uh, from the court documents. Dutch acquired numerous accounts through these platforms. Uh, the purchased account packages included a debit card as well as identity documents, scans and the SIM cards associated with the phone used to establish the account. So it's literally like a black box of illegal shit to your money laundering oh um, we got pictures we got pictures yeah we'll show up. pictures um lest you think you can buy anything on the internet you can buy anything on the internet dutch had the packages delivered to him during trips with i thought this was funny jones with Razzlecon to kazakhstan and ukraine and i can't not think of kazakhstan and not think of our friend borat i assume dutch speaks like borat by the way the packages were typically shipped via a shipping service or handed off a year by a courier or uh, in a prearranged public meeting place, such as like a train station or something. Dutch uh, then sent Bitcoin to Russian and Eastern European based instant exchange platforms, which converted the Bitcoin to currency and deposited the corresponding funds into the Russian and Ukrainian bank. But he clearly this was clearly well thought out and um, apparently effective for a while until it wasn't. Dutch and Razzlecon would travel to ATMs in the United States and use the purchased debit cards to withdraw funds. That's how they, I guess, you know, literally use the money that they stole. A Dutch and Razzlecon would bring multiple cards per trip, and they only use one card per ATM to avoid any suspicion. So this was not a bunch of rookies. They really thought this out and were making smart decisions on the criminal enterprise if that's right they were they were very clever so like seth said you can tell they they thought this out they knew they had some money they tried to launder it as best as they can and it doesn't stop there now they involve some of razzlecon's is i think they're legitimate businesses they didn't say exactly in the court paperwork but it, the way it read it sounds like it was legitimate businesses that she funneled some of this money into to make it look like it was coming through normally. So one of the companies is named Enpass that Razzlecon owns. So she said, this business is going to get a bunch of money and it's because I produce some software that people pay for as software as a service. So you can think of like monthly payments from my customer in order to use my software, probably out there on the cloud or in the web. But in reality, Dutch and Razzlecon started stuffing their illegal proceeds in there and tried to pretend it was just, you know, it was the software as a service, but it was the stuff that they stole. That was just one of the spots that they used to try to launder some of the money out. In another one of her companies, which is called Salesfolk, spelled S-A-L-E-S-F-O-L-K, she said that, and I say Razzlecon said that, 
Salesfolk has some B2B customers that pay with cryptocurrency, and that means business to business. So you can think of more than your usual transaction if you were giving your kids some money on Venmo or something like that. You know, it would be thousands of dollars of one business paying another business for invoices and things along those lines. But she says, I receive it in cryptocurrency. She also said, additionally, I have some personal cryptocurrency of my own that I would like to sell to finance the development of some new software in this company that we're beginning to build. Because the company is an LLC tax as an S corp, it has passed through taxation and I'm the sole owner. I was going to use some of my personal crypto to fund out new software projects. So she's trying to pretend that she has some personal crypto saved up and she's going to fund some projects in her legitimate business with it. And that's how she's stuffing more illegitimate cryptocurrency to do the money laundering. We have more. We have a, another statement where she says, Hey, I have some cryptocurrency coming in that my boyfriend now husband gifted to me over several years. And this goes back, she's talking in 2019, and this goes back to 2014, 2015 is what she's referring to. So she says, they've appreciated. You can imagine over several years they have. She says, I've been keeping them in cold storage, which means typically offline. So you're going to see something here in a minute, the, another one of those treasure wallets that I think that's what she's referring to with this statement. I don't know it to be a fact, but that's what I put together when I read this. Now, again... This is the money that her husband gave her. Well, I lied. She's probably exactly telling the truth here. Her husband slash boyfriend at the time probably did give her a bunch of Bitcoin that was fucking stolen from Bitfinex. <laughs> and that's what she's What's stuffing. a little detail like the fact that it's stolen, Jones? Yeah, so that's what she's stuffing into this account. So you can imagine doing all the shenanigans. You would say, oh, they probably got away with it. Nope, they were caught. And I have to stop here because this is the end of act two, because in act three, we're going to talk about the search warrant. And this is where this is going to be a very picture intensive act. And if you can watch this one, I recommend it because we're going to show where they live and the search warrant pictures and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot of fun. So please, whatever application you're on, like subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review and let us know whatever episode you like the most. And we'll try to have more like them. And visit our website. It's eCrimeBytes, spelled the computer way, B-Y, as in yellow milk, T-E-S dot com. Come back. Seth and I are very excited to walk you through the search warrant and all the pictures. Well, the search warrant is great. The search warrant is great. In Act 3. And, and it, yeah, it, and it just sets it up from there. It's 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 wonderful. When I when I found their address and found the pictures of their condo i was i was in awe but i was like this is going to be the best act out of all these just go through these pictures so please do come back we look forward to seeing you then thanks